Christ, if you have your Bibles here, please will you turn to me, with me, turn to me and turn with me to Ephesians 5, verses 18 to 20. If you have a kind of paper Bible and you don't know where to go in the New Testament, uh, you will find it there. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, around there. Otherwise, go to the contents page. That's cool. It's good to get to know your way around the Bible. Otherwise, switch on your devices and we'll touch base there in a few minutes. As you heard, we are doing a series called This Is Us, which essentially is when Jesus says, I am going to build my church. We want to be that church. All right, uh, like we heard last week, we don't want to be zombie church with a kind of appearance of moving and doing. We want to be filled by Him. We want to be led by Him. We want to be animated by Him. And so when the Bible describes this is the church we need to be, we as Riverside can say, yes, this is us. And today we want to say about uh, 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 the church that we are worshipers. This is us. We are worshipers. I love the idea that right now, and you're going to have to use your imaginations uh, because we understand time zones and Australia's ahead and the United States is behind us. But just imagine the whole world was having, you know, roughly 10 o'clock a.m. Right now, around the world, there are Chinese people worshiping in Chinese. Most of them are probably in homes and, and, and small buildings. Right now, there are Brazilian worshippers, Pentecostal worshippers in Brazil. Right now, there are churches throughout Africa gathered in large buildings, small buildings, under trees, in in, in their dialects worshipping God. Right now, there are European Christians singing in German and Spanish and French in some old beautiful buildings and some new wonderful buildings. Right now, there are songs that are being sung that were written hundreds of years ago. There are psalms being sung that was written 3,000 years ago and many people around the world are singing new songs. And we as Riverside Community Church are part of that. And not only are we part of that anthem of praise, the Bible tells us that the angels are constantly singing God's praises. So we are joining with the angels. The Bible says that creation is there to declare God's goodness. So we are joining our hearts to Chinese and Brazilian and German and French and Australian Christians. And we are joining our hearts to creation. And we're joining our hearts to the angels, to all do one thing, and that is to worship God. God has made us to worship. Every single human being of the planet, even those who might consider themselves an atheist or part of another religion, is a born created worshiper. We are designed to take something and put it at the center of our lives. And that thing, whatever we put there, is is going to provide ultimate meaning and ultimate purpose. It's going to give us a feeling or a sense that we're part of something bigger or beyond ourselves. For some people, it's an ideology. You know, for some, it's, it's evolution or naturalism. This makes me become part of something that's bigger than me. For some people, it's a celebrity. Now, um, I, I'm not really into the Glamour magazine kind of stuff, but uh, probably the most famous person I've ever met was uh, on the day, 9-11. Most of you could remember where you were on 9-11. Uh, we as a band had won some competition and were recording at the SABC. And we took a bit of a break, walked outside, and there was Rodriguez, you know, sugar man Rodriguez. And uh, we started just hanging out with him and spending some time with him. That was actually when one of the producers came out and said, guys, you must see what's just happened in the United States. Anyway, 
So we're kind of hanging out with him. I, I kind of knew a few of his songs, uh, but my one friend, he was a photographer friend, uh, he knew that his mom was a diehard Rodriguez fan. So he says, listen, I'm gonna phone my mom, and he did. He says, hey mom, there's someone that wants to speak to you on the phone. And he hands the phone to her. I'm surprised you never heard her scream. Because she's like, woo, Rodriguez, you know. Um, <laughs> so, so for some of us, you know, it's a celebrity, and we orientate our whole lives around the celebrity. It's not just movies, it could be sports celebrity, whatever. Uh, for some of us, it's a hobby, all right, I get meaning and purpose in my life because of this thing that I do and I, and I strive to get good at and, I, and I'm on YouTube. And, and when I fail, uh, then I feel like I'm a failure. And when I perform, I feel like I'm of value. Uh, for some of us, it's a person, and by that I kind of mean like a person of romantic interest. And, uh, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, and, and, and those are all good things, but sometimes, you know, they become an ultimate thing or a main thing or a God thing when we say things like, you know, they come Complete me. I'm not going to ask for hands who said this, but, but you know, that's a lie, all right? Just, that's a lie. Or we say things like, well, now my life has purpose, which is another lie. Um, and we can't stop talking about them. We can't stop saying how awesome they are. Eventually, our friends get sick and tired of us talking about this person until we've got no friends left, but, but we're okay because you are all that I need, which is another lie. Um, now, there's nothing wrong with getting excited around a celebrity. There's nothing wrong with having a hobby that gives you a, a, just a great outlet and something that you enjoy. There's obviously nothing wrong with, with marriage and romantic relationships. But when it comes to putting this thing or this person or this ideology in the center of my life, this is what gives my life ultimate meaning and purpose. God wants to say two things to that space. He wants to say, number one, God is best. And number two, God is best for you. God is best because He is the ultimate being. He, he is the one that gives life. He is the one that created literally everything else that we may worship. Everything and everyone else is a derivative from Him. So He is the best. He is also best for us. We're gonna talk more about this later because He wants for you, He wants greatest joy. He wants for you highest meaning, highest purpose. He wants for you ultimate value, ultimate sense of and confidence in identity. He wants for you an eternal confidence in, in, in why you exist. And He knows He's the only one that can give you that. But as we heard, He is the faithful one. Everyone and everything else will let us down. So God is best and God is best for you. Now the way Christians for thousands of years have been celebrating this is in worship, is in worship, using our words and music and song to make much of this God who is at the center of our lives. Um, and every time I preach on worship, I say this. So I hope it's starting to sink in. In, in the New Testament, which was written in Greek, there are two different Greek words for the act of worship, right? The, the one word is the word latreia, which refers to our life of obedience. So some of you know that verse, it's talking about uh, 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 our lives are a living act of worship, a living sacrifice, of, that is our true spiritual worship. And I wanna say about that, you know, this is the life devoted to Jesus. This is the life of following Him on Monday and Wednesday nights and Friday nights. So in other words, every other sermon is about that side of worship. 
But then there's another word, proskunine. We get the word to prostrate ourselves. This refers to the act of devotion. It's not that just the general lifestyle, which is 100%. This is now the act of worship. And that is what we're gonna be speaking about today. So Ephesians 5, 18, you're already there. So let's jump straight in there. Do not get drunk on wine. Some of you never knew that. There it is. <laughs> which leads to debauchery. Maybe you never knew that either. Uh, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Very short passage. We're gonna spend the rest of today talking about it. I just wanna highlight something, all right? Verse 18, be filled with the spirits. Verse 19, be together, be with one another, singing, making melody, music in your heart. And then verse 20, with thanksgiving and with great joy. All right, so verse 19 flows from verse 18. The singing, the worship, the being together comes from being filled, being controlled by, being influenced by, being intoxicated by God's presence. We actually experienced this on Wednesday night. As a church, we've been just, man, on our knees praying for God's presence upon us. We have been doing that in, in a number of different ways over the past week. And, and guys, please sustain that. The hunger, the thirst within you, the things you've learned, stick with that, right? But anyway, Wednesday night we get here and again, it's a time of worship and a time of prayer. And again, we as a church are coming saying, God, we need you. God, we are thirsty. There is nothing we can do without you, Holy Spirit. Jesus, we want your presence. And God came down. And God did some incredible, uh, I think miraculous things in our midst on Wednesday night. And then we worshiped. And for those of you who are here, you would know that we weren't just singing songs. We were worshiping. In other words, Wednesday night was verse 18 followed by verse 19. Last week, verse 18. Let's be an empowered church. This week, verse 19. Let's be a worshiping church. Now, there is a word in here that some of you love and some of you don't, all right? And it is the word sing. Some of you love singing. I love singing. Uh, 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 just as a young kid, always singing. I've sung in choirs and I've sung in bands and I've sung in worship bands. And uh, I mean, <laughs> the other day, um, uh, I found this album that I hadn't listened to from one of my favorite bands, but I hadn't listened to them for about you know, five, six, seven years. And I was busy making supper and I had the music on full ball and I literally sang every single word from track one to track 10, just belting it in my house because uh, I love singing. Uh, I mean, also, I sing silly songs to my boys in the car on the way to school. Uh, I'm not gonna give you any examples of that. Um, but, uh, but, <laughs> but they get into that age where they're like, <laughs> yeah, no, no. I almost did. I was like, <laughs> no, no. but they get into that age where, where they're like, "Come on, Dad!" And I'm like, "Listen, boys, the time's going to come 
when, uh, when I die and at my funeral, you're gonna say, one of the things my dad did is that he sung silly songs to us. And uh, he made us feel so loved, even when he made us feel so weird about it. But, but the point is, I love singing. Some of you are with me on that. You love singing. Some of you hate singing. Some of you hate singing because you hate the sound of your own voice. You're like, Stephen, have you heard me sing? When I sing, I move people away from Jesus, not towards Jesus. I sound like a, a cow with a cold. You know, I sing and people pass out. And I'm just saying, just there's space for you in the kingdom. Because the Bible says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. And, and so you can get on board with that. But some of you just hate singing. You know, you sing and you know, and then other people sing around you and, you and you give everyone that Simon Cowell face. You know, you're like, stop it. Just like, don't do that anymore. Now, now, if that's you, I, I, can't, I can't make you sing. But, but let's just go down this road a little bit. You know that the Bible commands us 50 times, over 50 times to sing. Now, I know how you love doing what, you, you know, doing what you've been told by Steve, even if it's God. You know, uh, the Bible even refers to singing over 400 times. But, but, but let, let's start unpacking the why. Let's start unpacking what's going on when the Bible is saying sing. What is going on in our bodies? What's going on in the spiritual realm when you talk about singing? Listen to Psalm 150, very similar to the verse we read earlier. Sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Uh, so we can celebrate some old songs, but we love the new song. Um, sing His praise in the assembly of the saints. Notice this is not in the shower, which is cool. This is not in the car, which is cool. No, in the assembly, in the gathering of the saints. This has always been how God's people celebrate Him. So similar to Ephesians 5, 19, the singing with one another, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, if God commands something, He wants us to obey it. So what's going on? Why is God calling us to sing, those who love singing, and those who don't love singing? Well, the first thing we need to understand is singing, as, especially as it relates to worship, starts in the heart. It is always gonna be a heart issue. That's why it says in Ephesians 5, it says uh, in 5.19, it says, singing and making melody or making music, depending on your translation, in your heart. That's where it starts. And if we've got a worship issue, there's probably a heart issue. All right? So to help us understand that, I mean, just a guy who can often just bring clarity to some of confusing thoughts is C.S. Lewis. And this is what he says about this. He says, we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. Okay, now C.S. Lewis, often we need to spend some time thinking about what he's saying. What is he saying? Basically what he's saying is this. When you enjoy something, you praise it. And when you praise it, you enjoy praising it, right? You know this, you had a great meal, a great experience at a restaurant. So not only did you enjoy that experience, but then you start telling people about the experience and you get all excited, right? You're like, let's go right now. I wanna go back. There's something about the expressing of the joy that makes you want it more. You know, we see this in a wedding. When a groom just like tells the bride who she is to him. And for him, he, he gets the chance to enjoy enjoying her. Uh, I, I know for me, uh, and some of you know this about me, is, is that 
I kind of run out of battery at about half past nine at night. And I become horrible company from about half past nine at night. And my wife has a bigger kind of charge when it comes to that kind of thing. So kind of, you know, let's let it go on a bit longer. And the time comes when I'm starting to say, okay, time to go, time to go, time to go. Because my body and mind just want one thing and that's a little doo-doo, all right? Um, until... Someone says, okay, Steve, just before you go, listen, I was just reading this book, or I was reading the Bible, just a quick question. Suddenly I start waking up. So I'm like, okay, and then I start talking about this thing, I start diving in, let's get the, the, the Bible out, let's start, you know, what do you think? And we might be talking about the best way to make a steak, we might be talking about, you know, fishing, theology, books, Bible, and suddenly, and Bianca knows what to do at that point in time, curl up on the couch and take a nap because I'm gonna be there a long time. See, not only do I enjoy theology, not only do I enjoy talking Bible or talking food or talking fishing, but I actually enjoy enjoying that. You know what I mean? And I get fired up. That is what God wants for us. So here is my question. Do you enjoy God? That's the ultimate heart question. I've said this before, we've got two types of friends in our lives. Those friends we have to see and those friends we want to see. Which one's God? Because if you're like, I have to see God, I can't make you worship. But if you just thought, I enjoy God. I want to commune with Him. Worship is gonna come out of that space. See, here's again what God knows. He knows, number one, He is best. And number two, He knows He is best for you. There's nothing wrong with enjoying food. There's nothing wrong with enjoying these other things. But when He is at the center, He is the ultimate source of joy because He never lets us down and because He actually is the source of joy and He is the giver of every other good thing. I mean, I can just speak from personal, my personal space. When I'm abiding in God and when I'm pushing into Him and when I'm sensing His presence, my joy levels go up. When I'm not, I could go fishing and I'll have a great time. I can have a great meal, I'll love it. Go on an awesome date, I'll have a great time. Doesn't take too long for that dopamine to run out and I hit ground zero. But when I am spending time enjoying the joy giver, that ground zero raises and everything else becomes enjoyable. Because the unfailing giver of joy is at the center and everything else is this good gift from Him that I can enjoy. And God wants for you, not from you, God wants for you ultimate joy and He knows He is best and He's best for you. It needs to start in our heart. Well, what else is going on when we're singing? Well, singing engages emotions, and well, it ought to. Singing engages emotions. When Jesus describes what it means to follow him, one of the things he said was, love the Lord your God. This is the greatest commandment. Greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and with all of your strength. In other words, all of you, from your pinky toe to your face, you need to be loving and enjoying God. And we need to understand that God is an emotional God. 
Whatever emotions we feel, God feels. God feels righteous jealousy. God feels righteous anger. We often sin when we're jealous about the wrong things or we're angry about the wrong things. Sometimes we are, we sin by being excited about the wrong things. Uh, But so God experiences excitement. He experiences disappointment. God is an emotional God. Jesus was an emotional being. This caricature of this like stoic guy running around Galilee, it doesn't work. Jesus celebrates it. Jesus laughed. Jesus mourned. Jesus wept. And we are made in His image. And therefore, we are more human when we tap into our emotions. Emotions are, are a horrible guide. We all know when we've said something out of anger and we've regretted it. But they're a great gauge. They're a great gauge. He just hears where I'm at. And God wants us to love Him with our emotions too. See, when when we're singing and we allow our emotions to be brought into the space, not only am I singing words, not only am I singing with my mouth and with my mind, but now more of me is engaged. My desires are being stirred. I'm actually getting thirsty for Him. I can say of God, I have tasted and seen that He is good, right? John Piper, this is what he says. He says, the reason we sing is because there are depths and heights and intensities and kinds of emotion that will not be satisfactorily expressed by mere prosaic forms or even poetic readings. There are realities that demand to break out of prose into poetry and some demand that poetry be stretched into song and singing helps do that. The other thing that singing does is that singing unites us We come together as a church, a church in South Africa where we're so diverse and we need to be able to celebrate all kinds of diversity, especially in the church, especially in our country. So, but how do we do this? How do we experience unity in the midst of all of this diversity? One of the answers is celebrating our togetherness, doing together things, gathering together, being built up by God's Word together and singing together. I I couldn't think of an exact example, but I know it has definitely happened to me in the past few years, a number of times, where maybe I'm I'm with someone I know or even someone I don't know, next minute they start whistling or humming or singing some words or a line from a song, you know, maybe of one of my favorite bands. And immediately I'm like, this is a brother from another mother. I mean, I just love this guy and I want to be your best friend for the rest of my lives. And I'm not saying we break out in song in the middle of of Mall of the South. What I am saying is there's something about, there's a song in your heart, there's a song in my heart, and I feel connected to you, right? We know that when we go watch, you know, whether it's Rolling Stones or some of the more modern bands and, oh, you're there, you're there, you like him, I like him too. And you feel this unity, how much more when the people of God come together and what roots us together, what combines us is God and His presence. We celebrate that and we express that with our emotions and our voices and our wills and our minds. So powerful. Celebrate our togetherness, our one anotherness. You adding your voice to mine, me adding my voice to yours, you adding your heart to the person next to you, Wow. Unified church, singing is so powerful to do that. So this verse talks about singing in our hearts, making music to the Lord. And and I just wanna focus now on that second part of that little phrase I just said there, when it talks about making music in your hearts to the Lord. And I love that that's in there. 
Because those of you who know me, if you cut my one arm, what comes out of me is just a, a desire to influence and, and to lead and to, to, uh, uh, um, to, to influence for the Kingdom of God. You cut my other arm and music comes out of me. That's just who I am, is how I've been made. I started at the youngest of age, just like you know, tinkling around on the piano and something coming out of it. Uh, sent to, I, I've been classically trained in two instruments, musical theory. Most of these instruments on the stage I can play, except the drums. Uh, I mean, you drummers, you're like Jedis. I have no idea how you do that. But um, so I'm jealous when it comes to that. Uh, I've produced music for TV. Uh, I've recorded songs. Uh, point being, not to brag, but music is such a part of who I am. And you're like, well, Stephen, that's you. I don't play any instruments. I just play the fool. That's what my wife says anyway. <laughs> but yet, if you're not a musician or not musical, I know you love music. You've got the bands that you listen to. You've got your preferences. You've got your tastes. And even if you're like, oh, but Stephen still, music's not a big part of my life. I still know that music inf- informs you and influences you. How do I know that? But one of the things that music has the power to do is that music helps us interpret the moment. Think about movie soundtracks. Now, some of you are old enough to have watched the movie Jaws. All right, and, and uh, you know, you've got the fin going through the waters. There's a great white shark and you, you know, swim and surfers. Fin, swim and surfers. And you're like, oh, what's gonna happen? And then the music tells you what's gonna happen. Dun-dun. Now the musician in me says, some dude got paid millions of dollars for dun-dun. <laughs> two notes, right? He just did it first, all right? Dun-dun, 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 dun-dun. And we're like, whoa, it's over. You know, they're dead because we know exactly what's gonna happen. Now imagine the same scene, shark fin swimmers, shark fin swimmers, and then like My Little Pony music. And suddenly we're like, they're gonna be friends, you know? It's like, wow, it's like awesome little, you know, and like, no, that's a bad idea. Like, you don't make friends with a great white shock, okay? Music helps us interpret the moment. Because part of what's going on is music helps make emotional connections to something. Have you, have you ever just heard a song that you haven't heard for years? And immediately these memories flood in. Memories of a person, memories of a moment, memories of a friend, memories of an experience. And, and you know, that's actually an emotional moment. Some of you even wipe a tear from your eyes as you're maybe taken back to that part of your life. And somehow, you know, that's a song we sang or, or, or I mean, Bianca and I, we had a song that we went down the aisle to and every time we hear that, we're like, that's us. You know, that song is part of our story. Music has helped made that connection. There's a number of reasons we do that, but one of the reasons we sometimes, we might be praying, trying to get ready to hear from God and, and worship Him, focus our thoughts and our minds. We sometimes, we just play some music in the background. Or some people are going, oh, that's manipulation. No, no, it's not. I mean, as a church, we, want to, we always wanna keep truth center, but, but we also know we're not just brains, we're hearts. We're emotional beings. And part of our connection to God is not just a mental connection, but a heart connection. And therefore, how can we kind of get our emotions become part of this moment? And music is God's gift to us to help do that. I mean, think about when the words are majestic and the music's majestic. Don't you feel majesty more? Those are holy emotions for God's majesty. Well, some of the words are, are, are about 
God's reckless love and, and the music builds and you, you're like proclaiming one thing with your mouth, but your emotions are like, yes, yes, yes. And the music has helped make that happen. Don't you, aren't you more focused in a worshipful moment at that point? There's a story in the Old Testament uh, David is not yet King David. There's still King Saul, but uh, God's presence had left King Saul. And uh, he, this evil spirit used to regularly torment him. He used to fly into a fit of rage. And um, they called on David as this young man. And David used to come and literally just play his harp in the presence of King Saul and this evil spirit would depart. Now, as far as I know, uh, David didn't bring out a hymn book or a Hillsong CD. As far as I know, he just played. But something happened. Something spiritual, something kingdom, something about advance happened when David, anointed by God, played music and evil was sent out of that room. And guys, we want to celebrate great lyrics. We want to celebrate great words. Let me ask you another question. How do we best represent God's beauty and God's excellencies? See, sometimes when you want to say something about God, it's best spoken, it's best argued, it's best propositionally. But when you talk about God's beauty, we can talk about it, but that's not good enough, right? Just by the way, when I say God's beauty, you don't think of your beautiful wife or your beautiful daughter or a beautiful little rose. Think the Hebrew word literally refers to almost like a terrifying beauty. Think the beauty of a mountain range. Think the beauty of a lion. Think the beauty of a thunderstorm. The beauty of an avalanche. So, so how do we best represent God's beauty and excellencies? We just know if words are gonna fail us, so we're gonna take the best words that point towards God's beauties and excellencies and then we're gonna string them together in a poetic way because now suddenly there's a, a beauty in the poetry and then we're gonna add music that corresponds to that truth. Now my mind is engaged, my tongue is engaged, my emotions are being stirred and we're gonna talk later about our body engaging. More of me is being captured and enthralled and intoxicated by God's beauty and His excellencies. So it all basically comes down to one big question, this question of worship, this, this uh, proskunine kind of worship, this gathered worship, singing new songs together. The question is this, and if you wanna write one thing down today, write this one thing down. This is gonna be a question that transcends styles and tastes and preferences and do I like to sing, don't I like to sing, do I like the music, don't I like the music. The question is this, what is the best way for God's people to respond to God? I mean, I mean if, if God is, and I'm gonna watch the time, I promise. If God is this infinite being, infinitely powerful, infinitely holy, infinitely righteous, infinitely loving, infinitely compassionate, infinitely uh, giving us power, loving us, showing us on the cross, inviting us into this infinite relationship with Him. Once we start to see that, sense that, know that with our minds, know that with our hearts, what is the best next response? 
Worship isn't next best response. This is why every single one of us, we are worshipers, even if you hate singing. And this is why every single one of us are gonna find deep and profound joy when we worship the true object of why we were designed, and that is God, and we enjoy enjoying Him. That is the best way for God's people to do that. So let's just get a little bit practical. I wanna give you, and largely this is gonna be some personal experience from my side, but just to help you walk towards from where you are now towards becoming more of a worshiper so that you can say, we are, we are worshipers. And the first one is this, I wanna say, start practicing. Start practicing. Now, what I don't mean by that is, you know, well, I don't play the guitar. I need to find a guitar. I need to practice that so I can join the worship team. That's not what I mean. What I mean is this. Think about a flame. So sometimes, you know, I can pour some petrol on the ground, light it, and for a few seconds, there's this almighty flame, and then it's gone. For some of us, that's Sundays. For some of us, that's Wednesday night this last week. And I'm concerned that it's like this thing that comes up and disappears. And I think maybe what we need to do, my sons are learning how to make their own fire from scratch. Scout style, one match, no paraffin, nothing. Start off with a few dry sticks, tiny little flame. That flame goes to those little dry sticks. And if that is all, to go out. But then what do you do? You take some bigger twigs and that little flame gets a bit bigger and a bit hotter. And then come slightly larger sticks and twigs and branches until eventually you can even have an entire bonfire that can burn for days. And we need to know how to cultivate that. A passion for God that is not like either just the little flame or the flame that burns hot for 45 minutes one day and is gone the next. So Steve, how can we do that? How do I practice? Well, here's a suggestion. There's more than one, but here's one. Maybe today, maybe during the week, maybe last week or weeks before that, we sang a song here and and you, even you, felt moved. Just felt a little bit of blood going through your heart, a little bit of God just feels a little bit closer. Take that song. If you've got a smartphone or access to YouTube, you can find it right now. Just wait, all right? Take that song and put it on repeat for this week. For me, the song that we just sang, that's been my recent song. There's a song we've been singing in RPM, which for the weeks prior was my song. I mean, I've listened to the songs 50 times each and never getting tired of them. And musicians get tired of songs very quickly. All right? Take the song, put it on repeat. And, and, and as you're driving or as you're walking through the house or you're up early and, and you're just saying, God, I'm gonna just put a little bit of candle to this dry grass of my heart. Um, God, won't you breathe upon this and have the song playing? Won't you give me more heat? Won't you give me more passion? You've got the song playing. Eventually a, a word or a phrase is gonna pop out and you're gonna be, oh man, and, and you're gonna think about that. 
And then the next time something else is gonna pop out, you're gonna think about that and dwell on that. Eventually you're gonna feel confident enough, even though you might not be a singer, you're gonna start singing with. But now it's not gonna be singing with, it's gonna be worshiping. As another branch is added, another branch is added. So start practicing. So by the time you get here next week, it's not like, whoa, awesome Sunday, done. No, 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 we're worshipers. And part of our lifestyle of obedience is also a lifestyle of nurturing passion for Jesus in my week. That's one way to do it. Start practicing. Number two, sing with faith. Stephen, what do you mean? Sounds awesome. Amen. Don't know what you mean. Sing as if the words that we sing are true and sing as if you really mean them. Okay, so how do I know if the words are true? 99% 99% of the time, if the song is sung here at Riverside, we try to be careful with these things, they're true. Sometimes they're more poetic, sometimes they're more personal, sometimes they're more kind of propositional, but they'll be true. So sing as if the words are true, and sing as if you mean them. Stephen, I don't know if I mean them yet. Well, start singing as if you mean them. So here's what I do. Because I know you guys think, you know, I'm half alien because you're this pastor thing and, you know, super righteous. And those of you who know me best know that whatever I look like up here is not a true reflection of always who I am. So sometimes I come in here on a Sunday morning and uh, sometimes I have battled to, to live that life of worship. Sometimes I have battled to feel connected to God. Sometimes I've tried. Sometimes I have spent lots of time in the Lord's presence and I still come in cold on a Sunday morning. But then, again, here's what I do. Maybe it helps you. I just start going, you know, Lord, I want to connect with you. I want, last week, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to drink from the water that you abundantly give. I want to know that you love me, not just know that you love me. And I want you to be at the center. And maybe this last week, I've made other things a center. Sometimes if I'm being completely distracted, I was, Lord, I'm actually getting annoyed by the feedback. I'm getting annoyed by something that's not quite working out. I'm getting annoyed by a conversation that I've just had. Or I'm getting annoyed by some people. Or I'm getting annoyed by something in my week. I'm getting annoyed by some stupid thing, thought going on in my brain. And so, Lord, I'm gonna put that aside. I wanna focus on you. And then the next step for me is to start singing the words as if they are true. Yes, Lord, great is your faithfulness. And at this stage, this is me. I'm not even singing yet. You are faithful. And it becomes a little bit of a prayer. You are faithful, Lord. You have never let me down. Yes, Lord, I don't always understand what's going on, but I am in your hand. You have never let me hop out of your hand. There's times when I've tried, but you've always kept me in your hand. So you are faithful, Lord. And then I might move from there into just saying, so Lord, just more of your presence right now. Holy Spirit, I know that you have spent eternity worshiping the Father and the Son. Now, if your Spirit's in me, take me into that place. And then, and Lord, do that for the church. Stephen, you're a pastor. You have to pray those things. No, I get to pray those things and all of us do as well. Lord, would your presence come down? Take us beyond singing words. Take us beyond religiously just mouthing things we're not even engaged in. Lord, open the eyes of our hearts. Move us. And as I, I find that, that as I start praying those things, and as I start looking up to the screen and I'll see some more words that I confirm, yes, Lord, you are faithful. 
Yes, you are those things. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. Suddenly I'm worshipping. Three minutes ago I wasn't. That's what I believe singing in faith is. And finally, I wanna tell you what happens when I sing with my body. And I know it's not pretty. First of all, it starts with my face, all right? We are an integrated being. Uh, you can look this up yourself, um, but we are more Gnostic than we like to think. Meaning we separate the internal part of who we are from the physical part from who we are. So the way that works itself out is, yes, I'm worshiping and I'm so in love with Jesus right now. But that's not how God created us. Our emotions and our hearts and our spirits and our minds and our bodies are all engaged. Think about it. You stub your toe, you don't feel like praying. And you're upset emotionally, right? There's something to be said for my mind is engaged, my will is engaged, my tongue is engaged, my emotions are starting to be engaged, and now my body is engaged too. All right? For me, I'm just starting to feel like more of me feels like more of me is connecting to more of God. And I believe that's how we've been designed. So I encourage you. Maybe for some of you, it's like you normally sing like this, maybe just you know, a little bit of the, you know, the carrying the TV pose. <laughs> maybe that's a good starting point. Now, I'm not gonna go through all the poses, but... but uh, it's not about earning favour with God. It's our right response. What is the best way for God's people to respond to God? And that is with a heart, soul, mind, body and strength in worship. So I'm gonna call the band up because we're gonna do that. And church, I hope you engage. I hope you step in. Maybe some of you need to re-engage. Maybe some of you need to sing with faith. Maybe some of you need to take a few minutes of the first kind of song or two and just start learning to pray in faith. Maybe some of you need to say, God, I don't enjoy you, but I wanna enjoy you. Take me on that journey. And church, don't let us stop in 20 minutes time when we're done. Start practicing and grow your enjoyment of God. Stand with us as we engage our hearts, our minds, our emotions and our body and pray with me. Father, you never let us down. You're the giver of good things and you're the object of our worship. As we've heard this morning, we ask that you increase our joy, that we may sing with our hearts you created music as the one thing that engages our left and right hemisphere of our brain. And thank you for creating us that way. And thank you for giving us music that awakens the whole of us. Father, help us feel. Help us be aware of our emotions about you, whether they be good or bad. Help us to bring those to you, to express them to you, and just to be honest with ourselves about the way we feel. Help us focus on you at this time. Help us to not be distracted by the people around us, the things that 
are happening in our lives, the things that we're going to, the things that we're doing, even those people that we want to, we wish were with us this morning, or the people that we want to bring to you, help us to make this a time, a personal, intimate moment between us and you. Father, thank you that as we do that, even though we're focusing individually, you're uniting us. Uniting us as a body of believers. Lord, help us to want to worship you. For those of us who struggle with this, give us the desire to want to worship. Give us the ability to think about the good things that we've experienced or the good things that we know through your word about who you are. Help us to sing like we believe it. Help us to sing these words like they are our own words to you. Help us to sing with our bodies. Help us to sing with our whole souls. Lord, your word says that we need to worship in spirit and in truth. So awaken the spirit in each one of us that we may worship at the very core of ourselves, but also engage with the words and the truth of them.